Like we have to build new and we have to build together because we're better together. And I think as long as we stay focused on better together, that's the future. Like the future of park roads has to be better together. But we are used to segregating by the very nature of the like America dictated it that way. Yes. Redlining dictated it that way. Like so many different things said you stay on your end. Like there's little. Hey, welcome to the Park Rose Life podcast, episode number one. This is Brian Atkinson. I'm going to be your host. I've been in the Park Rose area since 2016, but have always lived in Gresham, Portland area. Didn't know that much about Park Rose when I got here, and I was really curious about everything happening in the neighborhood. Plugged in as quickly as I could by joining the Argay Terrace Neighborhood Association Board, joining the Board of Historic Park Rose, which does economic development on Sandy Boulevard, and really just meeting as many neighbors as I could, people on my street or the people who I kept bumping into, going to all these events of with people trying to make our neighborhood a better place and have more community connection in the neighborhood. What I realized after being here for just a short amount of time is there's a lot more here in Park Rose than meets the eye. If you drive by on Sandy Boulevard, you might form a negative impression of our neighborhood. But the people that I've met here have been a blessing to me. They've been an encouragement to me. And that was part of why I felt compelled to form this blog slash social media presence and now a podcast called Park Rose Life because I wanted to tell the stories of these people who are doing good things in our neighborhood and who have been creative in overcoming obstacles and make sure that their stories are known and that people who are kind of sitting at home wishing for a better neighborhood have more information about how they can get involved either themselves or support financially or even just be encouraged to to support our local businesses and meet more of their neighbors. So that's kind of my heart behind behind all of this. And I've been a residential real estate agent for six years now, which has given me another eye on the neighborhood in terms of what it takes financially to be able to live here and the trends of housing affordability being so expensive and the discrepancy or just the difference in economics we have in this neighborhood. You have people moving here buying houses for $500,000 sometimes or approaching that amount. And then you have people who are homeless or are on section eight. And I feel like there's a really big divide in our neighborhood along economic lines and other lines as well, cultural and racial. And so I would like to see those divisions dissolve and our neighborhood become more united. So I hope you'll stick with me on the show. I'm going to be interviewing a lot of different guests with different angles on the neighborhood. Some of them who are recent arrivals, some of them, their family history is over 100 years long. And we're going to be talking to people who are involved in the school district, people who are involved in businesses, the community garden, all sorts of different cultural groups. And I think over time, we're going to discover a lot of new layers in our neighborhood and hopefully create even more connection. So with that being said, the first guest I want to bring on, his name is Andrew Morgan. He's the producer of this show. You might hear from him from time to time. He's got me on the microphone telling me I need to talk louder and talk less. <laughs> That's what a producer typically does. Okay, right? good, yeah. good, good. Well, yeah. you're, you're doing your job then. Yeah. No, part. I'm, I'm excited about this project. And, and I think when we were really trying to map out what can we do for the Park Rose community? The idea of how many people, especially during COVID, uh, although we were planning this before COVID, but it now during COVID is really good um, as people are socially distanced to have something that links them to the community, but still, you know, allows them to be distant a little bit. So like what we have right now is, a sp you know, with, with Park Rose Life is this opportunity for people to just be more excited about what's happening. 
you know, I'm excited. Uh, you're well connected in the community. So um, I'm new to the Park Rose community. And so this is going to be it's going to be exciting to meet the new faces. And, you know, we we have a, we have a guest coming up next week that you're going to uh, bring out that I was explaining that we're going to have this guest to some of the members of Park Rose United Methodist. And they were like, oh, we love him. We actually, I live next door to him. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is going to be exciting. This is going to be a community, uh, such a great community podcast. I'm excited about it. So Awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for being the instigator because at the time that you approached me, I was thinking, man, I'm doing all this stuff. I wish I had someone to come alongside me and help me get a little bit more organized and finish some of these projects and tasks I've had in mind. And at the time, I had barely ever thought of doing a podcast. It was kind of a thought, but I, it definitely would not have materialized had you not approached me about doing it. So thank you, Andrew. Let's get to it. All right, let's go. Okay, so take me back. Take me back. You just you just mentioned that you're newer to Park Rose, but you're also new to Portland. What where were you before you moved to Portland and what led you here? Uh, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So born and raised Kansas City, Missouri. Spent a little bit of time in Dallas, Texas, uh, growing up in Oak Cliff. But um, for the most part, Tulsa, Oklahoma for the past, for, I would say from 2001 no, 2002 all the way to 2017. So I would say it was oh March, April, May. It was about May, early May of 2017. I was praying and God said, all right, it's time to go. And me and my wife already knew where we were going because we had visited here on a business trip um, in 2015 and, and just really prayerfully just was like, man, I wasn't overly impressed by Portland, right? But there was something about it that kept drawing me to it because my business trip was ironically in Seattle. Mm. So I, something drew me to come to Portland. And so we spent a few extra days here and just was like, this is it. And then my wife, you know, woke up that morning and had been praying. and was just like, yeah, I think this is where we're going to be. Like, we're, we're going to be here one day. And we were here doing the Rose Festival. And uh, so the city in itself appeared very diverse to us. And so we were like, this is a good spot, you know, and I worked homeless ministry at the time. And so, you know, we were downtown and it was tons of homeless people, you know, down there. And so for me, I was like, OK, what better place, you know, for me to, to land? What an attractive there. place. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, that's <laughs> that's weird to say. But yeah. yes, that was the that's what attracted me to it was like, yo, it's got everything I need. You know, homelessness. Check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, diversity. Uh, it seemed that way. So, um, you know, it was just that simple as what I said earlier. God said it's time to go. We weren't prepared to leave. We were actually in the middle of buying a home. We're, you know, we would, we were still debating and going back and forth on whether we were going to purchase this home we really liked and invest our our money into that. And uh, our careers were going really good Um, with the homeless shelter I was working with. We had a rehab program I was teaching and I was a volunteer uh, police chaplain and um, minister at my church, you know, as well as my wife was. Uh, leading and doing things at the church too. So we had, we were leaders in every part of the community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that you could imagine. Our kids were thriving. We were doing well in that community. And God said, go. So we left. We packed our bags. We had no jobs. We had no prospects really of jobs. And we had really no money. So we just took the money we had in our retirement and said, okay, if it's God's will, it's God's bill, we'll, we'll go. And we got on that plane, uh, no place to live. I saw the picture of your boy looking pretty concerned about that plane ride. <laughs> yeah, everyone was concerned because it was like, where are we going to live? I don't know. We're going to get this Airbnb for a few days 
And if God wants us, if God told us to be here, it'll be here. The people from the pod company were like, yo, where do you want this pod to be sent? It was like, hold tight. We'll tell you in a few days. And so we we wow. got here and within three days, you know, there was a place that we had applied for that went back and forth with us. And then my wife was like, no, this is where we're going to be. And so that's where we were. So who was your first phone call? Did you, you mentioned you did a kind of a scouting trip, but it was to Seattle. So you you had been here once. Oh, to the Rose Festival. Parade. Yeah, we came down to the Rose Festival Parade. And um, so who did you know in Portland? Oh, when no, you moved? no one. No, not a soul. So how did you go about making you're here? No job, no prospect, no relationships, no family. You're in this Airbnb. Well, what's your next move? Did you try to start meeting people? So ironically, between so the trip in 2015 didn't know a soul or wasn't aware of a person there. So between 2015 and 2017, a close worker, a person I worked with and was really close to, um, she moved here. And like we were on the same, she was my search and rescue partner. So we went out and did, you know, homeless outreach together for a couple of years together every week. So me and her knew each other well. So Lauren moved here. And then there was a pastor in training who kind of came through our church who had moved here to start a church. So we had had two people here before. So it was a little bit of a community. But what happened is before we moved, um, there was a news article written. There was two news articles written and a television, so like a news crew came out and interviewed us about like we were, you know, giving away one of our cars to, to the homeless shelter and we were moving just because God said so. And people were like, who does that? So they thought that was newsworthy. And I, I blocked, like we, we did the interviews and I didn't know why we were, but the irony of it was uh, people, like the great thing that happened was two things that came from that, that article. One, the people who ended up writing the article, both of them used as a tag headline, like Chaplin leaves for the whitest city in America. And then that sent me on a, a journey for that whole month of figuring out why is this the whitest city in America? And I started watching TED Talks and all kind of Everybody's things. Thinking that, this whole thing. I was like, why? And then, unfortunately, not to make light of it, but this was at the same time that the uh, gentleman had stabbed the people on the train. And I'm like, Jesus, what am I doing? Like, my son sent me the news article. It's like, this is where you moving us? Oh, no. And it's not so, a good yeah, and it was, to get as a parent. Once you start uncovering the history, it's like, oh, the, you find out about the exclusionary laws and all these different things. It was like, OK. This place isn't as diverse as the Rose Festival <laughs> presented, you know, but um, we still you know, we still got on the plane. But that's that news article reached uh, a handful of people who lived here ahead of time. And one of them is uh, a guest that we're going to have on the show at one point, James Helms. And James Helms and his friend Dennis um, both came over. They said, hey, can we come over and help you unpack your pot if you ever figure out where you're going to live or whatever? Uh, we even had one person say, like, if you need somewhere to crash for a few days, you can come to live with us. So we had a handful of people who were associated with some of our some people that we knew they got the news article and they were like, as soon as you get here, I would love to sit down and talk with you. Let's have coffee. So all of a sudden, I had to get out of my comfort zone and start meeting people. Wow, you were a celebrity yeah. before you landed. Well, and I hate coffee. And everyone, <laughs> everyone's convert, everyone started with, hey, bro, let's get coffee. Like everything started with, let's get coffee. And it's like, I hate coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that, that was it. Like that was, but that was God's provision. Because without that, we wouldn't have met anyone, you know. And so we landed and that that, you know, we would have met a few people here and there. But that was the key factor that gave us the community that we, we currently have. Wow. OK, so. Fast forward a little bit. How did you get connected here in Park Rose? How did this come to be? And so, what is this? Ironically, all of that. <laughs> you know, like, so it's like following the, the footsteps there. It's like James Helms asked us to do a uh, 
Love Thy Neighbor conference. And we, me and my wife, we we talked about the Naturally Beautiful Project, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And we talked about um, Charity Detox. I taught a little session on Charity Detox, which was something I would teach every now and then. And um, it was like from a Bob, from Bob Lupton's teaching. And so um, we got a chance to do that. And we met a lot of people there. Like we met people from Portland Seminary um, who plugged me into doing what I'm doing right now. So like I start, I was like, yeah, I do podcasting. And then that turned into, why don't you do it for us? We met Leroy Barber there and he kind of put our card in his back pocket and then eventually caught up with him. He asked me to do a podcast for him and in doing that, then he said, hey, would you guys like to do a church also? And so they offered us to be church. That's the next logical question. It it usually is. Most (laughs) people don't know that. It's like, would you like to do a podcast or or and a church do a church <laughs> oh, okay yeah uh, but no that that's that's kind of what happened like we we hooked up with Leroy and he was just like you know we're looking for church planters in general people who are thinking innovative you're obviously an innovator because at the time like I'm only making a living off videography job gigs here and there and podcast gigs so he's like you're surviving as an innovator. So I know that you you're an entrepreneur and an innovator. Why don't you come along and and and, you, and I had shown some interest in church planting, and so me and my wife decided to do it. And then we were really kind of perplexed because we're more business, we're social entrepreneurs, so we're more on the business end of things. And then they really came to us and said, "Hey, would you like to do something in the Park Rose uh, United Methodist Church space? They need a pastor." And they have a lot of opportunity there. And so we were really perplexed for them. We, it took a couple of months for us to pray and think about it because we didn't know about the pastoring part of a previously existing, because our mind was set on church planting. And if you don't know the language, feel listening, because I found that a lot of people don't know the language of church planter. That's just a person who's starting a new church. Uh, I always reference people back to the This American Life episode that teaches people about church planting. But hmm. it's like, for me, we got into it and we said, all right, we'll do it. And we start loving the people in the community. So we've been here a year and a, I won't say half. I think we've been here about 16, 17 months. And, wow, recent. Um, and we started, really, we started the process a lot of pastoring this church from a distance before we ever actually started on July 1. So we were making decisions and praying and doing things in the background to make our lives, to adjust our lives, to becoming part of the Park Rose community. We don't want to just drive, although we do on paper, we didn't want to just drive into here on Sundays. We didn't want to be that type of pastor to the community. Like, let's just come in, preach a sermon, collect a check and go. We wanted to figure out how can we love this community hard. Like we don't want to like love it like part time. We wanted to learn, even though we're getting paid part time to love it. You know, like we wanted to just be like, move all this other stuff out. How can we become Park Rose people? You know, and that's what our strategy was. We start strategizing and moving our life around for that. And um, we moved our our we kind of turned over one of our non our, our nonprofits that we do called the Naturally Beautiful Project over to the church in order to let it operate out of the church space and to give the church a ministry that is outwardly reflected. Wow. So that is quite the turn of events from just one thing to another. Going back to even you meeting James Helms, who uh, I'm not surprised that name came up, of course, knowing yeah. James. If you don't know James, you can put him in on Facebook or whatever and, and see how many mutual friends you have with him, which if you're probably a lot if you're involved in the area and you haven't met him yet. But I'm just thinking, that's one of the reasons I like hanging out with James is that kind of inspiration of what kind of person reads an article on the internet and then decides oh, this guy's moving to Portland. Let me see if I can help him unpack his stuff. Yeah. This stranger. That's wild. And I'm super. And so here's the thing. Even though I had lived in like a ministry world and kind of had just been like ultra conservative Christian for a while, I still like grew up and, you know, like Kansas City, like 
uh, in, in Midtown, like 43rd Street. And, and also still kind of, you know, like having a little bit of that time I lived in Oak Cliff. Like I'm, you offer to come unpack my pie. It's like, nah, cause you're trying to see what I got. You're trying to rob me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the answer, so my, me and my son, like the pod shows up and me and my son, like get everything of value in place. And it was like, yeah, they can help us with this stuff. You know, like, <laughs> because we didn't know. Some skepticism. Yeah. 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 And so like they showed up and they, they showed up and have been a part of our life. Like even when we got here um, to Park Rose, James Helms was like, yo, you know, I'll help you at a distance as much as I can, but Sunday's my off day. But Dennis was like, I'll show up for the first few weeks so you can be comfortable, so that you can have someone to look out in the crowd that you know. And it, and it made a difference because wow. everyone else is just stone faced. Yeah. Because it's a cultural shock. Right. You know, like it's, I'm not Methodist. My wife, you know, me and my wife are doing things as a team. We're already not Methodist. And then we're not like, um, at this point, by the time we come here, we're not like, can, one, we have this background of being conservatives and this is more progressive. So people are already like, uh, like what's going to be the difference here? And then there's just cultural is what I call like cultural competency is what we're, we're, we're living and kind of blending in that space now. But then the cultural incompetency was like off the meters on both ends of the spectrum. Mm. Like both my wife and I, we didn't know their culture. They didn't know ours. We were completely incompetent. We felt a little cocky about the things that we knew that was parallel. You know, like my wife was like, oh, I grew up in a Lutheran church. This is similar, but it wasn't. Didn't help, huh? <laughs> a little, and then they were like, oh, we had a black pastor before them, but not the same kind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, we on both sides, we felt like we can make it. it but you know what? That hope is ironically what has kind of melded us together as a church unit and has actually made it work. Like, so we've had a little bit of help with some cultural competency teachings and other things. But for the most part, this is a community, this church specific, Park Rose United Methodist Church, is reflective, in my opinion, and maybe you could correct me on this, is reflective of what I have embraced throughout this community as I've met community members of Park Rose. And so my take is, and I'm just going to be real, this isn't a group of well-spoken, well-educated, like, you know, highfalutin, fancy people. This is like, I only want to say like, you know, whatever collar it is, like, it, you know, it's just like, this is a group of people who get dirty who are used to doing the actual work. They There's some traditionalists around and there's some other things, but it's always rooted in will you work hard? You know what I mean? And it's just like, so I've met a lot of people here that I'm like, okay, you're not the richest. You're not the, you know, like you're not the Lottie Dies. You guys are the, the workers. So it's like, they're not the people that I've, I've witnessed as being the ones that uh, I put you like this. When I meet people in the Park Rose community, they will point out their own insufficiencies. They don't hide from them. They lean into them. Mm -hmm. So I've had people like have racial conversations with me and they're like, forgive my ignorance, but I got to ask. And they will go on to ask some of the most ignorant questions <laughs> possible. <laughs> Forgive or, me and then commit the sin. Yeah, right? it's <laughs> like, hey, but they are comfortable enough in their own skin to say, I want to get to a space where this is gone. They don't try to come at me with the with the college level like, hey, you know, like I read White Fragility and I want to share this thought with you. It ain't any of that. It's just like, you know, I remember somebody was like, hey, are you going to turn this into a black church? And it was just like, initially I was like, oh, I'm super offended. But then I was like, you know what? It's a legit concern. <laughs> like it's a legit <laughs> question because if you don't know any better. And as we've meld together, like work together like that, I'm seeing their heart. Yeah. And so the people in this community, like the, from the homeless people. And yeah, I use the word homeless and not houseless. Yeah, we can talk about that on another episode one day, but everyone I've PC met. Police, yeah. yeah, everyone I've met um, has been down to earth 
that's a good way of putting it. When I say like they're not the Lati dive type people, they seem to be hardworking, down earth people. That resonates with me. I mean, thinking about the history of our neighborhood and the fabric of the people here, I think there's a, there is a lack of pretentiousness. What you see is what you get. Yeah. People are, are straightforward. I think, well, I know this is an older congregation primarily. So people have probably who are here have probably been here for a while geographically. And I think that back in the 80s, you know, this neighborhood wasn't even part of the city of Portland. Or I should say early 80s. And so I think there was kind of an independent spirit there. Yeah. I think that economically this was a lower income neighborhood. Now that's changing some for at least people moving here. But for the people who have been here a while, there is definitely that self-determination. Do everything on your own. And probably... What you're talking about of kind of maybe some of the cultural ignorance makes sense, too. I mean, this was a white neighborhood in that time. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily before that or isn't necessarily that now. But for people who moved here in the 70s and 80s around that time, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of being loose with the, the decades. I don't know the exact years of these shifts, but I think it was pretty much a white neighborhood at that time. So. For those people, it's a it's a shift, and there is a lot of discomfort, or at least maybe. Well, I think in a worst case scenario, there's certainly some racist among us here. But I think for a lot of people, it's just they haven't had the experience of right. having a black neighbor. I think that's it. Like, and when you have stuff like exclusionary laws, you know, they stop it and redlining. Um, one of the things, you know, when you experience those type of things. I think for me, and it could be the pastor's heart or it could just be the heart of somebody, you know, it could, any other black man could have this heart. I usually chalk it up to just the pastoral side of me and my wife where we we understand that sometimes it's not going to be easy. Like it's going to be hard. People are going to have some some ingrained thoughts about things. And when you think about the exclusionary laws, without the experience of having black neighbors, having black leaders in the community, having black friends, it's hard. Park Rose is returning to being more of the immigrant-based diverse community than it that it started as, but that community still is very exclusive to two or three different minority groups and black's not one of them. So as far as Park Rose is concerned, like for me, like if I'm walking around Park Rose and I see an African-American, it's like, it's gonna be a hello. Like, it's like, hey, you know, like it's a wave, a head nod. I, if you don't head nod me back, I am going to circle back and get my head. There's going like, to be fisticuffs. Yeah. Like we got to we got to, you know, recognize one another in this community. So it's just like I do know that there's a strong uh, presence of individuals who are you know, Asians that are sticking together. And it's a strong presence uh, of Hispanic people that are in this community. And I've seen some Pacific Islanders and the numbers show that Park Rose is returning back to those demographics growing and coming back to this area. And I'm not surprised because that's part of the gentrification cycle as we're starting to see some of that, that population unfortunately pass away that, that has been primarily white, that baby boomer generation as they are passing away and more rent houses are coming available and people are uh, taking advantage of upzoning and building behind their houses and all those things. We're starting to see more renters, more people return to this area. And that does not mean blight is coming. We could really say that more culture is coming. It just depends on the perspective that we take on it. Um, and that's why I think it's really important for my wife and I to be in place for such a time as this in Park Rose so that we can be a voice that shows that it's like this isn't like, you know, like we don't need white flight. You know, again, like we don't need that from, from Park Rose as it begins to go through another stage of gentrification. What we need is for us to kind of stick together and, and learn to live together, learn to love together. And you, you do that when you actually get a chance to experience uh, leadership from people of color. That's pretty remarkable. There's a lot there to unpack. I think I agree with you that we can be voice of encouragement for people who feel some unease that we want them to participate. If things are changing, it doesn't mean we are trying to give them the boot and say, hey, your time is over or that we want to 
do something that's so shocking or repulsive to them that they just choose not to be part of us. But if, if things are going to change or if the leadership is shifting, the demographics are shifting, doesn't mean we're trying to, to change the, to reverse things and, and exclude anyone. And yeah. that's, you've mentioned your pastor's heart for this. And I, I mean, it sounds like things are going pretty good right now, at least in terms of relationships. But I remember the first few months you were here, I think there was a pretty high level of discomfort and mm-hmm. you've yeah. making your, your, the first relationships with the people of the church. And you were receiving some encouragement from outside of the congregation, people that we know saying, Hey, why do you, why are you still kind of, I like to use the word shepherding. Why are you shepherding this congregation who isn't responding to you? Well, doesn't understand you or what you're trying to do. And your response maybe surprised them a little bit. Well, I think I think for a lot of people, yeah, it's perspective, because I think if you are from the outside looking in, you'll think that it's rudeness or you'll think that it's this. And it's just like it's like I had said already, like it's the cultural competency part. Like we got to love each other. Like we've got to figure it out because I know I was rude to a few people unknowingly. But I think you have to you have to stick it out because it's not about repeating the cycles of the past in the past. If things ain't working out and you are in a position of power, you blow it all up and you start something new. And it's like, nah, like, why would I do? Like, why would we look at a group of people and say, oh, they don't deserve to be loved? Like, I got all this love inside of me, but I'm going to probably just give it to like, who am I to choose the 90? Like, who am I to choose the one or the nine? Like, I can't choose God's body. Like, I can't. Like, we're all a part of it. Like, thumb, hand, all of it. We're all one. And so I think that that's the part for me that is just like for us, that is just like, no, we're going to stay put. And not only are we going to stay put, we're going to work on the existing relationships, which means I can't expect a person to allow their like. I wish I could have come in and said and did everything perfectly in the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad I made the mistakes that I made. Because it allowed me to show humility and what repentance actually looks like. Yeah. And when you do that, then individuals have to walk with you in that. Because it's like you don't give them the space to be anything else to you. Like, you know, I, especially when it comes to our, our friends around here in the houseless community, as people say, I say homeless. I say it because I come from it. So like I have had like my father was a homeless veteran. You know, so like I know what it's like when you ask your dad, like, hey, what you what you I'm about to go. I'm be over there, son, to take you to school. Let me go wash up at the Burger King and I'll be on my way. Mm-hmm. Like that's reality that I you know, like I grew up watching my father on drugs. I watched him come off of him. But and I worked years in homeless camps. And I didn't just show up like I didn't care. I didn't have an agenda. It's like if I dig in and I'm just spending the day with you. I'm just spending it with you. So when I got to Portland. It's different. You know, when people are like, you should say houseless because it's like, okay, that's fine. But to be honest with you, had been in the positions, it's you don't have a home. And to me, I define the word home and house as two different things. Yeah. And I've rarely found people. There are some that could say it. And I'm not saying it's an absolute fair blanket statement for everyone. But in my experience, just talking my experience, home is one of those things that you find community on the street. You find community in your encampments. You find community and all, but it's nothing like a home. It's nothing like having a place that you're like, this is separate from the community. Yeah. This is this is dignity. This is probably I get a chance to take a shower. I get a chance spot. to cook for myself. Nobody else, there's no public service, nothing else dictating to me what it's nothing like those moments. When you can help a person, like when you watch a person, like I love sitting in camps with people because that was their community, like that was their their place at the time. But the pride and the love that's on their face and the hope and the joy and the presence of what I say, the presence of God that is so present when you get a chance to like when they get to that point where they're like, I stopped hoping and now I actually have something that I stopped hoping for. And you watch them walk around their house. It's nothing like like, but it's about experience. If you're if you're a public servant or a person who just says, hey, I got to say this because this is what's PC or this is what we found to be. 
God bless you. Do your thing. My experience is different. And I'm not saying I'm better or, or, or not than someone else, but it's something different about like knowing the value of home. But I think sometimes you got to have not had one in order to understand the difference between the word home and house. connection I'm making listening to you, your, your passion for people is clear and the connection I'm making between your time serving homeless and having that life experience for yourself and some of the stuff we're talking about in Park Rose and the congregation being pretty different from you in terms of culture, race, age, maybe beliefs, different things mm -hmm. like that, is that you value everyone regardless the labels don't matter the life experiences don't matter and, and i shouldn't say don't matter they do matter you're not discounting or discrediting right. or dismissing anyone because of a difference yeah everyone matters and uh, i we use the term matter we're about to <laughs> jump off into something completely different well, don't hate me twitter but the love you have for people is really evident in the way you're speaking about that inclusivity and also the humility, because I think for someone in your position of you've kind of been handed the keys to this church and said, hey, do whatever. Some people would be really tempted to be dismissive of everything that's been going on here right. recently and the history and say, this is what's wrong with you people. We're not doing this. Right. <laughs> We're not doing it this way anymore. You know, it's going to be different now. So take it or leave it. There's the door if you want. And honestly, I think maybe not even exaggerating. I think some people kind of maybe even said like that was their perspective on what you should do is like, hey, right. this is a problem. You need to fix it and change everything. Yeah. And just anyone who's not ready to come along, just let them let them go. So, so there's a lot of humility there. So here's something I'm going to say that could probably take a few people off. But that 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 thought is screams and is birthed out of white privilege. Like it doesn't even process in my mind as a black man, as a person who loves other people. It just I've been on the other side, so I can't even process the concept of you come in and you disregard the elders. Are you come in and you disregard? Like now, I can't bow to everything you like. I I understand I'm not going to please everyone, but I also understand I don't know where I'm going if I don't know where I've been. And that's if I can't lead this community forward if I don't know where this community's been. And it gets frustrating sometimes because a community as has been together as long as this one, they've done everything. There is nothing new under the sun. Like they really fulfill that scripture, like that thought. It's just like they, it doesn't matter what idea, I'll be like, hey, let's do this. Yeah, we did that in 1978, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like <laughs> they've done it. There's a lot of wisdom there that yeah. if you don't take the time to unearth, you just miss. Yeah. And you don't get, you don't receive the benefit of it. And you also don't give someone else the opportunity to fulfill what they're capable of and what they're supposed to be doing if you don't give, empower them yeah. to speak up or to have the influence. Yeah. It, it, and when I say it's Bert, and when I go back to the idea that it's just like, you should just come in and mold this around what you want. If I, I think it would be easier for me if I was, like I said, if, if it was, Rose was reversed. If I was Brian, if I'm white male, Sith gender male, you know what I'm saying? Like straight, just he, him, his, Brian, right? Then I probably know that the power structure is set up for me. There is trauma built in the psyche of minorities in America that if we're not model, or if we don't work twice as hard, if we don't win you over, we're used to the worst punishments happening. Separation of family, separation of financial stability, all these things that the people in positions of power have had, those traumas are real. And so one of the things that when it comes to learning the culture of even incubate, like creating a space for leaders of color, you have to actually place a thought about their traumas into what you're doing. 
you may be used to having a white male CEO who's used to saying boom, 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 and it's going to be this. And you start thinking that that's the model of how good business and good churches ran, right? But you you put a woman in that spot. She's used to having to fight harder because people are going to second guess her. So she knows she spends an extra two, three hours prepping because she knows two or three people are going to ask her five or six additional questions to double check her. So she's got to do the homework. She's got to be stronger. She's got to be better. Black men, same exact thing. So could you picture what it's like to be a black woman? Which is as we kind of close this out, that's one of the reasons why when we got here, it's like, I'm not the pastor, just the only pastor here. I am talking to you now, but my wife is the co-pastor. And it's just like, and you will respect her as that because that is the voice we need to hear from. And as we're building leadership in Park Rose, I am looking toward women to lead, especially women who are fitting like that double minority spaces in different categories. Women who who aren't the mode of body positive you know, like the body positive issue images that they have out there. Women who are speaking, you know, who are speaking from a, a double minority space. Yeah. Spaces. And because they know what it's like to be on the margins. And in my honest to God belief, as it pertains to both business as well as because I don't separate a lot of my religion from my business. Um, considering my company is called Seeing God's Beauty, you know, media, but it's just like. I feel like the margins from when I opened up the Bible, I read that that's where I found Jesus. I never found him in the center with everyone else, except for, you know, like when he was on the cross, you know, like, but he was always with the the extras. He was always, it was always on the margin. So it's just like, so I'm not going to go dead center and use my male privilege and allow patriarchy for me to dictate everything and how things go here. That's one of the reasons why the Naturally Beautiful Project is in this place, because it's my wife leading a ministry where she's doing kids hair for free and she's teaching mothers and fathers how to care for primarily African-American children's hair. She does all children, all textures of hair. But primarily what we're running across is minority children who are adopted or in foster care. And she's leading families into like understanding like this is how you love your child teach your child how to love their hair like teach them about hair porosity and you know like get away from these negative standards of she's a a type a or like the curl patterns to tell you that you're nappy or straight like it's like it's all about hydration and porosity and she teaches that she teaches it so that the children know like it's about what care I put into this, the result of what I get. But no matter what I get, it's what God gave me. And it's beautiful. And that's what Naturally Beautiful Project is all about. So it's just like that had to be the first thing that we start with. That's the center of this, of our ministry. We're moving toward doing some pods for the fall and spring semester for school. Oh, wow. So you'll host different families who are kind of doing the homeschool pod thing yeah, together. Yeah. I mean, not so, homeschool. It's through, it's the public school through the curriculum. Public school, yeah. So we've had people from both the Park Rose school district work with us, as well as people. We have some people in the Portland school district. So no matter, you know, and we, we know some people with David Douglas. So that if we got to hook up with David Douglas kids Ooh. as well. So we just, you know, we know that there are people who move from different communities into this one. So if you're a part of another one, we just want to make sure the kids have a space. So we're up in our internet here and we're going to boost the Wi-Fi and we're going to create a Wi-Fi password that's easy for people to know. You know, like one is like, so if I got my my brothers and sisters who's living on the street and they can only make Wi-Fi phone calls, be by the church so you can make your phone call and the Wi-Fi is strong enough. So yeah, we're going to do those things. We're going to move eventually toward creating a, a program for veterans. Uh, so the veterans can come. I grew up in a house. The three men who influenced me the most are all veterans who served during one went to war, but the two served during wartime. So my my brother and my father and my stepfather, all veterans. And uh, those are a lot of services that you only come up with being engaged in the community and knowing mm-hmm. the needs here. I mean, because yeah. 
of course, there's, it's easy to come up with solutions without even really knowing the problems, like assuming the problems. Mm-hmm. And you see churches having all of these, what do you call them? Ministries or programs. That's the word we use, programs yeah. that aren't really addressing the heart of what's needed, especially yeah. outside of the congregation. So kids doing their pods here, home, veterans needing financial and social services, people needing to use Wi-Fi internet. Those aren't usually church programs we think of. Neither is the Naturally Beautiful Project, right? which I want to talk a little bit more about. But I want to go back a little and just kind of trace a theme I was hearing that everything you're doing, well, you were talking a lot about the challenges that minorities face and how I was thinking of that more generally or how I can apply that more broadly is that for for white people who are wanting to see more unity, whether you call it rec- racial reconciliation or just kind of some kind of representation in our groups, a lot of times it's a circle of white people saying, how do we get more minorities in here? Which is, not, is a good question to ask, but sometimes that that process, you could call it colonization or what, whatever kind of label you want to term, but it's just basically inviting a racial minority or maybe it's a gender, you know, maybe it's women in a group of men into something that's already going on and saying, hey, you come and be part of what we're doing. We're not going to really change. We just want you to be like us. Right. right? And, and I think that more white people are recognizing that's a problem, but not all of us have the experience or understanding. And, I, and of course, I'm still learning. I'm learning in this interview of, well, how do we do it differently then? If that's not a good mode, but we don't want to like dismantle our whole thing that we got going, then how do we really go about this? And you talked about how difficult it is if you fit you know, if you are a woman and going for a certain job or you're a racial minority, you've probably spent a lot of your life trying to fit in and prove yourself. And I guess what I'm really getting at is you've spent energy and had to think about how can I be part of this group without making waves and kind of fit in socially as well so that I'm not excluded Mm -hmm. And so for us, for white people or for just people in general thinking of how can I have a more diverse group or a more inclusive group, people who understand what it's like to have to fit in with diversity could more naturally be the leaders of something like that and maybe already have those skills. Whereas I have to resist kind of the easy thing to do of being kind of I don't know, in politics, they say partisan, but I've got my club, you know, I have my things I identify as and for people who have different labels than me, and I'm not even talking about race so much. I'm talking, I'm thinking of more like people who think differently than me. Maybe I have a hard time wanting to be part of them if they think yeah. differently, whether that's about politics or about social issues or something. If people just have really different values than me, then it's easy to be dismissive. Mm-hmm. And other people have, and I can do that because I don't really need them in some ways, right? right. I, can, I can get on just fine without. That's the part. false perception, right? Yeah. And I, we, yeah. to my detriment, I mean, yeah. I can think that I don't need them, but really we all benefit each other if we are part of each other. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, that that's, I agree with you. Like conciliation is the term I always use because you can't reconcile. <laughs> like only let Jesus use the word reconcile because it's like the rest of us have not seen, you know, racial conciliation in, in America. We've never seen a time where we were all together. Can't reconcile yeah. if you're never reconciled. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, that's, that's kind of my, my thought on it, but you know, it's the same thing. It's like, we have to build new and we have to build together because we're better together. And I think as long as we stay focused on better together, that's the future. Like, the future of park roads has to be better together because right now people are coming in with a traditionalist mindset because the elders in the community, and it's not to speak ill of the elders, but we are used to segregating by the very nature of the, like America dictated it that way. Yes. Redlining dictated it that way. Like so many different things said, you stay on your end. Like there's little Chinatowns and little Korea towns when you go different places. And it's just like here you stick together and that tribalism is not necessarily always a bad thing, 
but it, it, it can lead into a space where like times such as these, when we need each other, it leads us into seeing all oh, my brothers hurt. I, even though we don't always live together, I still recognize this person as my brother. And I think that's the part about Park Rose that I'm like, okay, this is why we got to do the podcast. This is why we got to do like these community programs. This is why we've got to reach out because I need to be able to start getting my things that are that the other community have for me. Hear what I'm saying when I say have for me, because I believe that the black community has some things for the white community and the Asian community has some things for the black community. Like We have some things for each other. And we've turned into like this consumer driven mindset that it's like the only thing that people in the Asian community can have for me is, is a convenience store is, or is my nails or my, you know, like all these different services. And it's like, no, there's love they have for me. There's a part of their humanity that they have for me and I need to get it. And I need to give them some of this humanity that I have. We need each other in a much more intimate space than I think that we've been willing to um to really let go and just get, you know, like, and for me, if you tell me something's mine on the other side of the fence, I'm gonna jump that fence, I'm gonna get it, it's mine. Like, but I, you gotta have a mindset of recognizing God is love, love is yours to have freely. God exists within each, every single one of us. Go get what your brother has, go experience God through them. If you don't, you missing out on God and God forbid you wake up one day, uh, you know, or you go, you, you see God one day and it's like, I don't know you. Like, I'm not going to miss. I mean, I, there's been people who I know have murdered black people. And I can tell by the number of lightning bolts that they've had on their hands, you know, or the amount of teardrops that they had. And I still love them and forgive them and work with them and walk with them because they deserve love too. I've said some bigoted, hateful things. I grew up in a, and it has nothing to do with my community. I'm gonna just put it on me. I grew up completely homophobic and it was cultural ignorance. That's what reigned at the time and I fit into it perfectly. And I initially grabbed a false gospel that helped me stay comfortable in that bigoted place. So now when it comes to like loving my LGBTQIA brothers and sisters, the thing I refuse to do is drape a flag over my and put it in my yard and say that I'm friendly and, I'm, and I learned the terms. And then at the end of the day, use the F word and close behind closed doors. I am, they need love, legit love and leadership and guidance. And guess what? I need to be led by them because I am off with some of those things like normalizing the sexuality of all humans is a foreign concept to me because I am only used to the model of heteronormative, you know, ways of thinking of sexuality. And Park Rose community is full of people who have different ways of thinking and doing things, even in that realm. So like, I'm from the Midwest. We don't say he, him, his when we introduce ourselves. Or I don't, you know, like when I'm calling people back home and I'm like, if they, if I'm doing a meeting and I'm like, I'm a cisgender male, he, him, his is my pronouns. They're like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, well, man, we didn't, you didn't know you were going to get the, the word brought on episode one yeah. of the Park Rose. Andrew's preaching. I don't know if every episode is going to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got some really good as we because we, we do need to wrap it up. And it's the producer in me. I tried to wrap it up 10 minutes ago. I know we got we got no producer today. Right. And so it's just like I said, like, this is the last thing I'm going to say. 10 minutes later, I'm talking. That's a pastor thing. To right. Do right. That there. is that absolutely. You and I dislike being that kind of pastor. take your time. There's someone. Some, there's a lady in the back saying, take your time, pastor. Yeah. Nobody says that here. No, <laughs> I believe that. I no, believe hey, that. Hey, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put in, as we wrap up, I'll put in a couple more uh, shout outs for you because the values that you're talking about, I was going to say espousing the values you're espousing. I see evident in even the way that this church building is used because there are multiple congregations right. that meet here 
um, from different cultures and different language, you know, groups that speak different languages than English. And so, and there's even more opportunity for those groups to come together and everything that I think that you've expressed as a value I've seen in your life as we've become friends and I see in the direction of your church. And I, I'm excited for what's to come for you and for our neighborhood that you're going to be involved with. And I think we brought up a lot of topics that we can address more in the show. One thing I want to talk more about is homelessness, especially in the Park Rose area and East Portland. And I, when I say East Portland, I mean East East Portland, like we are out here. And there's a lot of discomfort surrounding that and people not knowing how to feel about it, what to do about it. So I think that's going to be a topic on our show in the future. we got a lot more coming up. Yeah, it's a lot. We're going to talk about gentrification at some point. Um, we'll get into the history of Park Rose. Actually, we can take some time right now to premiere uh, episode two. Uh, it's going to be a really great episode. You want to go ahead and tell them what you got? Yes. Some of you who live in the neighborhood might already know who we might be talking about, but his name is Joe Rossi. He's got the name that's on the sign on the farm on 122nd. His family's been here a long time. So that's the next episode. He's going to school us on a little bit of the history of our neighborhood and tell us the roots that we can start tracing through the history as we go and project into the future. What are the values that have always been present here? All right. So it's going to be a good show. If you uh, you can always reach out to us and let us know, like if you're listening to a show, and you're like, you know what? I really think they should interview such and such. Or I wouldn't view it to be facetious if you said they should interview me. No. So <laughs> reach out. We to want to us meet you and let us know who, uh, you know, what topics you would like to cover. Let us know what you love about Park Rose. What's an email that they could email you at? Let's man. I got so many emails, but let's do <laughs> one that's called. Brian, and that's spelled with a B and a Y, Brian Atkinson12 at Gmail. That's a good one to hit me up at. All right. Andrew, let's do the rapid fire. Yeah, it'll be real rapid because, yeah. Tell me, what's your favorite food spot in Park Rose? Winco. Winco. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I love it. No, it's try it's it's Java is the Jamba Juice place. Jamba Juice. It's Jamba, Jamba Juice. Yeah. No lie. It I'm actually a fan. is. I'm there every day almost. Okay. Well we should meet up for that then instead yeah. of coffee, because I'm a fan. Where's your favorite place to be outside in Park Rose area? Uh Jet Black Coffee. Okay. I like I like the the deck. And I also love my community garden here, being outside in the community garden. Here. Thought you might say that one. Cool. Yeah. What's the favorite, if you've gotten to attend any events here, what's your favorite event that you've got to be part of? Um, it, it is actually, ironically, in this building. Um, and we weren't able to do it this year, but every year Park Rose does a theater camp. And the last day of the theater camp, the kids put on their production. And I got a chance to do it last year. It was absolutely beautiful. Like they designed their own sets. They were dancing and singing and a lot of people from the community. So it was definitely- That's awesome. There. That's Park Rose High School? No, it's Park Rose, the church. Park Rose UMC. We couldn't do it. COVID stopped us from doing it this all, but we do it every August. Uh, we will figure it out and we will do it again next year. Maybe, I can't promise it. This is just me as a pastor dreaming. I'm hoping that maybe we can put together a winter production okay. if it's possible. Well, I just gave my email address. What's a good way for people to connect with you? And also, I think in particular, the Naturally Beautiful Project. Um, the NaturallyBeautifulProject.com. Uh, the, nat yeah, the NaturallyBeautifulProject.com or 1030 Braiding.com is how you can uh, find out more about my wife's uh, braiding salons and, and what she does with that business and, and how you can get your kids hooked up with the Naturally Beautiful okay, Project. Okay. How about you and your in the church? Uh, welcome at parkroseumc, uh, dot com, dot, oh, Jesus, is it dot org or dot <laughs> I think it's dot org, but, uh, welcome at, you know, that, or you could just email me at personally at A-N-D-R-U, that's how you spell Andrew, A-N-D-R-U-M-O-R-G-A-N at yahoo.com. And so those are the, the different ways that you can reach out to me, um, you know, via email. And if you find me on any social media go for it. Andrew Morgan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm.